podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. We put this festival on you bastards with a lot of love. We work for one year for you pigs. And you want to break our walls down? And you want to destroy it? Well, you go to hell. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Fatback 4, or 3, or 2, and Keith, wherever you want to look at it. Um, Grizz is away on holiday. He's in, um, where is he, Ian? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Are you sure? He's, he's, in, a, he's on a pilgrimage. He's on a pilgrimage, I fucking say he is. Um, so, Gav, myself, I'm with you. Um, I'm back from the Lebanon. I'm clean shaven. I'm, it's bright where I am now instead of dark in a corner. Change the radiator. Uh, Ian is with me, as you can see, and our good friend Keith is also with us. Um, straight into it. Bit weird this week for us lads. We aren't um, reviewing the game. We're going to preview them. Um, the Trippers done it during the week. They they went through the game and, the, and they gave their um, opinion on things and what they think might happen and the outcome will be. We'll do the same. Um, Ian, as usual, I'll come to you first. Um, Swansea away, the bottom of the league... We have a massive win last week. Um, is this one where you just go in and you're really, really confident? Or is it one where you go in and you think, these, these are the sort of games that do us all the time? Uh, uh, the latter, I think. The way you said there, the bottom of the league, we just had a good win. We swatted them not long ago. Uh, we've had a nice break in between fixtures. And then we've got another nice break after this fixture. Everything in that, Points to a one-all draw. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, in all seriousness, we, we should take them apart. Do you know what I mean? They're not a very good side. They've got a new manager. He's trying to implement a few new things. Uh, so I think they're a better side now than they was a couple of weeks ago. Or there'll be, a, a, at very least, there'll be a different proposition than a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, this is, this is historically the type of game where Liverpool have come a bit unstuck. Beat, beat like the champions elect at home one week and then go away and not, not maximise the points from the against the shit side the week after. But we should win. I've just got a horrible feeling for the draw. You really do. Um, yeah. 
it's never we, we never kind of make it easy for ourselves Keith going away to Swansea you look back over the years um, we've won a fair few there never mm. never overly convincingly from what I can remember um, we've of course we've lost a few um, but going into this one you know people will talk about the, the bounce that Swansea have got from the manager I think, don't think there's a bounce I think they've won one league game since he took over I think they beat Spurs in, or not Spurs sorry Wolves in the cup last weekend they're not scoring many goals in my opinion, I think we just need to go out and do our job and do it well and that look after ourselves. Do you agree? Or... Yeah, I mean, as long as the players haven't been going on Twitter for the last couple of days, because if they have, then they'd probably be thinking that they're in a sinking ship at the moment because it's, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely apocalypse chaos. You know, we've just beaten the champions and let everybody's moaning about what if we have an injury <sighs> crisis. Anyway, what I will say is that, you know, Swansea were quite impressive against um, Tottenham. Uh, Carverhouse set them up really, really well, but Tottenham disposed of them. They had the players to do it, and you know we should easily dismantle them. I think this is going to be, you know, I think Swansea are going to be quite, you know, rejuvenated, thinking they can bring the game to Liverpool um, at theirs. But I, I think that will play right into our hands, and I, I, I can see a comfortable, comfortable victory over this one. I'm going maybe four, five nil. That's Jeez. how comfortable. I am. Jeez. Yeah, I'm putting out. As you can see, me me out, and Keith pretty much share the same opinion on the results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if we ever thought we are, if we thought we are all going to agree on this, it's gone very bad from the start. Um, lads, um, Ian thinks it's made up for a one-all. Keith just thinks we're going to steamroll them. I'm in the middle where it could go the way Ian says, it could go the way you says. I think it all depends on our attitude and our willingness to take control of this game early. And probably score early, because I don't have any doubt that these, these boys will sit back. They'll they'll try hold like most teams do against us. Try hit us on the break, steal something, and hang on again. Ian, um, if they do sit back, we need to be creative, but we need to be very sure at the back. But we need to be creative. Let's go into what we might t- think the team might be. Let, let's start at the back. Carry a starting goal. Um, what would your back four be? He traditionally goes with Gomez at right back, uh, away from home. But depending on how they're going to set up, it could be a game for us actually to go with Trent away. If we're going to have a lot of the ball, they're going to be pinned back. He's a lot more effective than Gomez going forward. So I wouldn't be that surprised if he went for Trent at right back. Uh, He's going to stick with Robertson at left back because Moreno has only just come back to fitness and Robertson's been excellent, to be fair. VVD is going to start because he, you know what I mean. He costs seven hundred billion pounds, and then I've got a sneaky suspicion he might go with Lovren alongside him. You know, as opposed to I, I, I heard today. I don't know how true it is that Lovren won't be in the squad tomorrow. Now I don't Why know how that? true that is. I don't know. It was something I literally seen when I was, you know, before I started this. I well, just seen something saying that he, he could be. Able yeah. To. So. Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm saying. So Matty will definitely start tomorrow alongside VVD. And I, I, I wouldn't put Lovren in the squad. <laughs> Is that, yeah, so, so that, that's what you meant to say. Yeah, yeah the, the, go back, edit that. No, I'm not editing, fuck <laughs> all. You know I don't. Um, so you're going, you're going probably Trent, Robertson, Matip, Van Dijk. Traditionally, you go with Gomez, but I think this could be the game where... And Gomez switched off the other day for a... You know what I mean? Ten minutes where he wasn't at the races, so I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Trent starting. To be honest, it'd be more, it'd be playing more as a right winger anyway. So I think that that'd suit him. 
Yeah, I don't mind Trent in games like these, probably more at home than away, because, you know, a lot of teams can just try and target him. I don't think he's there to be targeted, I think he's fine. But I just think if we need to be a little bit more solid defensively, I'd always say going with Gomez. But I'd probably agree with you on this one, with, with Trent in there, because as you said, if we're pushing on, he's as, as good as Gomez has got in his distribution and, and getting forward at times. I think Trent's balls are, are, are on a different level to him. Keith, um, Ian has gone with Trent, I forget now, Matip, um, Van Dijk and Robertson as his back four. Mm. Um, mm. Would you disagree with that anywhere or would you stay alongside with that? Yeah, I mean, ultimately we're going to have so much of the ball. You'd rather have players who can play with the ball at their feet and Matip, you'd argue Clavan as well. You know, he's Mr. Tidy, Mr. Calm, Composed, and, you know, he's got that experience playing away from, from home in these tricky situations, and he's proven to be very, very effective, probably even more so than Matip at times, against play- teams that kind of hump, thump the ball long and or just try and catch us on the quick counter. So I'd argue that Clavender probably has deserved, based on performances this season in similar type of games, to start this one alongside Virgil van Dijk. I agree with Trent massively. You know, at the end of the day, we need to get the ball as quick as to our um, front three as possible. There's no point in dilly-dallying with the ball because the longer we dilly-dally, the longer everyone's going to have their cup of tea, sit back in the back 10 and and just wait for us to make a mistake. So with Trent there, I think he'll release it quicker, earlier into the box and I think it will just cause hella problems, hella problems. But um, yeah, that's probably what I'd go for. I'd probably probably say Claban on current performances, but the rest of the others I'd uh, stick with, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, For me, the only one would be Gomez. Or Trent, but as I said, I'll go, I'll go with, with Trent for this one because the way I think the game might settle. Um, Van Dijk, I don't think there's any issue over now. There was talk of a toy hamstring last week, but there's no word on that this week. As I said, it was just word that came out. I don't know how true it is in with regards to Lovren. Um, but for me, I'd probably play Clavin before Matip. Um, I just have a, an issue with Matip at the moment that I can't really get over. And... It's it's stuck in my head, but look, we go on matter because that's probably what the outcome's going to be. The midfield. What bugs? In... Sorry, what bugs? Go on. What bugs? Something bugs you about that? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what bugs me. Um, the guy is six foot four. Um, he doesn't win enough in the air for that. I don't think he's strong enough. I think he can be a little bit rash and get turned a bit too easy. Um, th- now, don't get me wrong. He, he does some stuff really well, and if you want to play football from the back, I think he is probably the best at it. And as well as that, pushing out with the ball, I think he's probably the best at it, bar Van Dijk, because I think Van Dijk is better at all these things. But I just think, beside Van Dijk, Van Dijk's an organiser, but he's, he's, he's proactive with the ball. Clavin is more just classic defender. He'll just defend, he'll, he'll do his job. And, and, you know, since the Spurs game, Clavin has been in the, in the team a hell of a lot more. And I think Liverpool have looked better for it. I just think Matip sometimes can be a bit all over the place. That's just the issue I have with him. Don't get me wrong. He could come out tomorrow night, play a 9, 10 out of 10 game, and I may look like an idiot. It's happened plenty of times before. Um, midfield. Plenty of times. Yeah, no, countless. You know, <laughs> countless. Like, there's, not enough, there's not enough fucking things on Grizz's abacus. You know what I mean? Um, but midfield is the interesting one. I've heard shouts for different players. I'm not going to say who they are before I come to you. Keith. Um, that looks lovely what you're eating by the way I don't know what it is but it looks mm-hmm. lovely um, what is it? it's a uh, chocolate hagen dazs baby oh Jesus Ooh, he's gone all so out sexy. hasn't he? Ian. so sexy yeah. that's, that's sex talk that how, yeah. how do you other half how do you other half live in? 
Oh, baby, don't worry about the Hagen Dazs chocolate, man. Get yourself some sexy. Well, well <laughs> Hagen Dazs is down midfield. We're probably going to go with a three as usual. I don't, I can't see us playing this two or four, four, two or any. I think it's going to be a three. In my opinion, mm. you could have a different opinion. If we go with three, who's your three? Tough one. Um, I think I'd go with Emery Chan. I'd go with Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. And I'll go with Ginny Wijnaldum. And I just want to touch on Ginny Wijnaldum. I think ever since Coutinho's left, I think his role has grown in importance. And I think he really showed that in the Manchester City game um, last Sunday. You know, he's much more open to picking up the ball and, and he's much more, he's got this more space to roam around in, in those p- positions that Coutinho probably would have once taken up. And I'm interested to see how much he could potentially grow post Coutinho in the new space that he's been given. And I think he did that same midfield three that played seemed extremely balanced, probably more balanced than I've seen this season in the way that you've got Alexander Chamberlain offering driving runs into deep blocked midfields, midfields, which Swansea will put up. You've got Emre Chan being composed with the ball, dictating it from left to right. And you've got Ginny Wijnaldum really getting into creative spots that are going to hurt Swansea. And I think that combination is really going to start to tell, to take some form. And I think if we can keep the front, the middle three consistent, I think we're going to see less and less, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think it will just, it'll be just as dynamic, if not more, post Coutinho. So I keep it the same. So you're going, you're going the same as last, last Sunday. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Um, before I come to Ian, I'd agree. The thing about last Sunday for me was, I thought that was Emery Jean's best match in Liverpool short. Um, I don't care what overheads he's fucking scored or anything else. For the position that people want Emery Jean in, that was the game where he showed everything that he can do in that position. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a small sample to look at, but it's a massive game to look at at the same time. He, he pressed the ball when he needed to. He got tackles in. And the one thing about him was... He didn't look to do anything special with it. He he won it, he played it simple. He won it, he played it simple. And he done it in one, two touches most. That's why he should be there. When Aldum was brilliant in covering Jean if he ever pressed, and I thought Oxley Chamberlain was was outstanding to be perfectly honest with you. The only thing I might do would be when Aldum not to play and maybe Lalana to come in, simply because as we looked at with Trent, we're gonna be on the front foot a lot and I think Lalana might give us a bit more around the edge of the box if we need to get around them. Ian, um, would you be sticking with them three? Would you be changing it slightly? What way would you go with it? Uh, I, I think, me personally, I'd stick with the same three. I think they, they complement each other the best of our out of the options that we've got available. You know what I mean? When Aldam can do both jobs, he can sit he can sit as a two, but he's also he showed against City, he's very good at breaking the lines when he's actually like Keith just said there is a good point. Coutinho hovers around that inside left position, doesn't he? Or did. Whereas he's not there now. And at least two or three occasions when Aldam ran straight down that channel at 30, 40, 50 yards. So that's a good point. So that's opening up his game as well. He still seems to get for someone who, can, who used to play as a number 10, still seems to get a bit nosebleedy when he gets in the final third, which I find a bit strange. I think that maybe come down to confidence, not scoring too many goals this season or what. Uh, my, my issue with, with Wijnaldum, he's always sound at home, but he tends to 
go backpacking, doesn't he, on, at away games. So I'd be, I'd be wary of that. But they're the three I'd go with because I thought they were outstanding against City. Klopp doesn't tend to keep the same side very often, though. So maybe he could bring uh, Lallana in. But if it was me personally, I'd keep Lallana for the FA Cup because okay. it's, it's, not, it's not as important. Yeah. Um, just one thing you touched on there with regards to Wijnaldum, and he did... In fairness, he's very useful when he does pick up a ball and he, and he moves 40 yards because it gets us up the pitch. And as well as that, teams don't know whether to drop off or come at us, you know, play a higher line because he, he could literally just run straight past them. It's it's that simple. Um, but I think what, what done with Aldam a little bit last week, going back to what I know, we don't want to go back to the game last week, but one thing that done him was Liverpool are so used to getting the ball, maybe moving 10 yards into midfield with it, with a little bit of space, and they have a ball on. There's a ball on the left, there's a ball on the right, there's a ball through the middle. I think, to defend him a little bit, um, he, when he gets it, he's moving with it, and there wasn't a ball on. And I think that's where he got a bit confused, do I keep carrying it? And then he looked like he was going down blind alleys. I think he's much better suited to home games when we need to, when we're kind of up against a team that can match up against us, or an away game, again, where the teams can match up against us. But in these games against lesser opposition, as we call them, I don't think his powerful running is as effective because it's, he's, he's walking in a much smaller area of the pitch. He's, he's the exact opposite of Lukaku in that Lukaku is a shit team bully and Wijnaldum only plays good against the, the, the good sides. It's a strange phenomenon. Very, You don't really see a player like when he's up against better opposition. Like, become a better player. It's usually the way around. So he's obviously got it in him to do it. I think the burden of expectation in away games when we're playing against a smaller side, I think maybe it weighs on him a little heavy, but he's obviously got it there. Like, I, 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 he's due an away goal. So, you yeah, know what I mean? Maybe Who that's knows? what it is. That's what it is. It's the away goal. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. You know, you can't believe that players don't talk about this amongst themselves. And I think also... Um, you're, sometimes he, he takes too long to make a decision. And I think he does get caught up in his head a bit. And again, like you said, against teams that are going to sit back, when he needs to pass the ball that center, they'll take that extra touch. And while that's effective when we're trying to keep possession in teams that dominate possession against us, like you guys said, against teams that are much happy to have Wijnaldum take 20 touches, if he can. He could take all the touches in the world. Um, as, you know, as, as long as he can't find the passing in behind the defense, then he does prove a little bit ineffective. So yeah, I, I can yeah. see where you're coming from now. Lallana yeah. could prove effective. I think I think um, you have to give City a bit of credit as well. Last week, despite when Alden breaking through and going that 30, 40 yards of the ball, they did push him down a few blind alleys. Even on on a break, they were pushing him to one side of the pitch. Half the defense was pushing up, and the other half were watching who the runners were. So you have to give City a bit of credit. But lads, Jordan, all this conversation now, it's a testament to Alex Oxley Chamberlain that if we're discussing Lallana maybe coming in or out, there's no chance in their minds that. Chamberlain is one of these players that drops out because I think his form has been brilliant over the last, I don't know, probably since mid-December. Um, I think he's been really, really good. I think he's getting better and better. A um, couple of goals here and there, a couple of assists. He's He looks a player that, and I hate to say it, but Ian, he looks a player that's built and ready-made for a club kind of play um, and a sort of system and formation where he's up and down the pitch but he's able to create at the same time Am I going a bit too far? Have I used that cliche once too many times? Well, no, mate. I'd be worried if he wasn't a Klopp-type player because we've just literally bought him. 
So you would imagine that he's got a skill set that Klopp is looking for in a, in a in a midfield player, do you know what I mean, or a forward player, or whatever. So no, he does look ready made. Uh, well, I don't know if he's ready made because he didn't start straight away. So maybe he's had to work at his game a little bit. But yeah, he, sh- he should look all of those things if he's a successful signing. But going back to what you just said there, I think if Lallana plays, I think it will be instead of Oxley team, and I don't think it'll be instead of mm-hmm. Wijnaldum. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think he'll just play Chan and then go Lana and Ox. I think that's too attacking. Mm. Uh, yeah, you might have a point. You might have a point. Um, a couple of people on on Periscope here. Sorry, I have to try to keep up with the with the lads as I'm going. So if I'm looking away from you while you're talking, I'm not ignoring you as much as I'd like to. Um, but <laughs> a couple of people are saying a massive thing with Axley Chamberlain is from even from you know his Arsenal days to now. Where what's four five months into his Liverpool career. His confidence looks on a different level altogether. Mm. Keith, um, to me, I think that's a very valid point. He just looks look. There's a weight off him. Like he's just part of another cog in a team rather than being someone mm. that's trying to do something. He's for just enjoying himself, time. isn't he? Yeah. It's enjoyment, I think. Mm. Keith, no, exactly. oh no, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I sung his praises big time. Uh, uh, pre-City I remember I did a little periscope but I said look you know he had the opportunity to take the ball by the um, ball by the horns against City and really prove that the last two months of top top form wasn't all for nothing and you know it, it just seems that Klopp has given him instructions that he's listening to and he's saying do you know what yes you're telling me the things that are going to get the best out of me as a player. I'm quick, I can dribble, um, and I can find a pass. And, and I think what we're benefiting from is not just a player revitalised, but also a player that's been coached by Arsene Wenger in the, the, the style of being able to play in tight spaces, to uh, keep the ball at your feet, to find the passes, for example, the pass he played to for, for, for Firmino for the chip, you know. He's, got, he's had a great education, so it took him a bit of time to kind of get into the squad, but now he's showing the, the fruits of that labour. Do you understand what I mean? And he's just got the energy, The more, more importantly. He's just got the legs for it. And I think that he makes a few... What I, I remember a lot of Arsenal fans, when, when we signed him, they, they used to tell me, you know, the thing about Oxlade-Chamberlain is he'll try a few things at the beginning of the game, and when it doesn't work out, then his confidence will drop, and he'll disappear throughout the game. I haven't seen that at Liverpool. I've seen him do it. I've seen him start. He maybe mis- misplaced a pass here or there, misplaced a cross, but he goes again and he goes again and he continues and, and he really tries to affect the game in any way, shape or form. Let's not forget, he was the one who took the corner for Virgil van Dijk to score the winner yeah. against and, Everton. And you're, you just, I mean? you're just there and as, as Stephen Kingsbury has just said, brilliant that free kick and a corner delivery also. He's literally exactly. typed that as you were saying it. Great lines, my friend. I don't, know, I don't know whether he's off camera there beside you, but <laughs> it was a uh, time well, Just like, just shared his ice cream. <laughs> 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 That's why he looked a bit sad a minute ago because the, that other fucker was sitting there eating his ice cream while I asked the question. Um, but Ian, the last word on him. Um, just sorry, just just to get in. Just, sorry, before I ask you this question, I'm just looking at these comments coming in, right? And one person keeps popping up, and it's Grizz Cam. Now, for somebody hey. for somebody that's on a pilgrimage, right, in the middle of, <laughs> in the middle of fucking Saudi Arabia. He must have. He must have. What has he got? A fucking tinfoil hat on, and he's taking signal in. He got four G in Mecca. Mech- I think I think he's in in the um, I think he's a fucking mecha bingo. I think he's <laughs> I think he's I think he's gone to Butlins. Oh, <laughs> That's where he is. I'm, I'm not messing with you. Oh, water slides. Yeah. No. But um, look, uh, he said it's weak Wi-Fi. Um, go fuck yourself, Chris. Um, 
Right, last word on Ox. I don't mean that, you know, I don't, you know, I love you. Um, you the last word on him, and a couple of people have said it in here, is, um, he's, sorry, Grizz says he's using the KFC hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Tell him to say hi to Indy Callia for it. Yeah, say hello to Indy Callia, and we'll, uh, we'll be on from Jordan the week for more nonsense. Um, Ian, a couple of people have said here, and the word that's come up on a couple of occasions is um, freedom. That's what he seems to have, just the freedom. Like like um, Keith said, at Arsenal, he tries a few things, it doesn't work, he loses confidence, he drifts out of a game, it, this weight comes on his shoulders. Where to me, at Liverpool, it looks like he tries a few things, they don't work, he's given the, you know, he's given high fives by the players and he's told, keep going, keep trying, that's what we're all about, we can make mistakes. you know. And that's the big thing for me. I think somebody, somebody's hit around the head there saying, the freedom to play. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's got unlimited freedom within the system and the style I think he's got freedom of expression do you know what I mean like he's just been saying there so whereas if if it's true that he was his head was dropping in the Arsenal games and all that Klopp's Klopp's not 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 a Wenger type Wenger comes across as quite obtuse doesn't he and quite headmastery like he can be disappointed quite easy whereas Klopp just fucking laughs his head off and he's just like do it again try it again enjoy yourself have another go have another go and he's all about encouragement and I think it's more a freedom of expression as opposed to where he's allowed to play on the pitch but they just seem so well suited you know like when the likes of Chelsea and all that were linked with him and even City were linked with him at one point and a bit like Virgil van Dijk he didn't even remotely you know what I mean give them any sort of income that he'd time for them I think he's just seeing what Klopp would bring to him they bring to his style, and they do look like you know what I mean. They're made to play for one another. Like, yeah, the thing for me is, is that as you said, four or five months in, he's he played a little bit wide when he started off. I remember the game at Leicester in the League Cup where nothing he could do was right, literally nothing. Um, and I felt sorry for him on that night. But he's played the odd position, different positions, um, and he's slowly grown into it. And I think for somebody to make that progression in four or five months. After probably having a hard time at Arsenal with everything that was going on there, and it's continued to go on now, as you can see, in the last couple of days. Um, I, I think all you can look at is say, look, this is only five months in. You know, this lad's young. I think he can get better and better and better for us. Um, Keith, moving on. The front three, I think, picked themselves. Um, I don't think there's going to be any arguments over Salah, Mane, Firmino, unless there's an injury, or I think Salah was rumoured to be having illness during the week, but I think was back training yesterday. Um when are they going with them three, are we? Of course not. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's not a lot. I mean, you could argue that there's not a lot of options up there at the moment with Daniel Sturridge. Is he injured? No, he's not. He's back. I suppose Daniel Sturridge is available, but he didn't travel, apparently. He's, in, he's not travelling to Swansea. So, yeah, no, the front three picked themselves. 34 goals in the Premier League this season. That's most more, That's more than most football clubs. You know, probably inside the top, uh, bottom 10. So, you know, it's just, it helps so much that we have these guys at our disposal to compensate for the loss of Coutinho. I can't stress that enough. You know, the ability of Mane, the ability for Firmino and Salah to just change the game in an instant. You know, this could be a tight game tomorrow. This could be a nil-nil up to the 70th minute. But, you know, while, while we have those three up front, the whole team believes that we're always going to score goals. So, yeah, it's a good good, good problem to have. OK. Um, just... Um... I'm just after getting a question there from Cop Talk uh, 1892. Ian, what's your favourite ice cream? It would be, without a shadow of a doubt, peanut butter cup Ben and Jerry's. Mm. Fit. Jeez. 
Is that like peanut butter flavour? Well, what do you think? <laughs> but it's got actual peanut butter cups in it as well, oh, so you'll be going along like eating Reese's, the ice cream. You'll be eating the ice yeah. cream, you yeah. think it's sad, and then all of a sudden, you just get like these full-blown sweets in it, honest to God, mate. Seven Gosh. add-ons, you get eating one of them, boss. <laughs> Jeez, that's more than I've had in the world. Um, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, Maddie. We know, we know, we know what we know. <laughs> we know what your one, your, your one is. Kid, or is that your favourite? Or was that just what was left in the fridge or in, in the shop? Mate, there's fucking no okay. food left in my fridge. Not you, Keith. Is that your favourite that you're oh. eating now? What's the, what the Hagen dazs chocolate? Yeah, that's not even my favourite. You know, that's my side bitch. My favourite, <laughs> my favourite, my favourite. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think we're going to have to go with the uh, chocolate fudge Ben and Jerry's chocolate ice cream chocolate fudge bits. Because like Ian quite rightfully said, those Ben and Jerry, when they get that little kind of those pieces in the crunch, jeez. Mm, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go along with that. I'm not like going along with that wanker shit with fucking lumps of fucking bricks, cavity blocks of fucking peanut butter in, in a cone, <laughs> you know. Um, right, yeah, just going back to the, I had to ask that question because it flew in there. Um, and this is what we're meant to do when we're on live. The front three, in, um, I think these dictate how oppositions play against us. I think most of the time you'll see an opposition sit back, play deep and not let these lads in behind you. But with Swansea being at home with a new manager and desperate for a result I think it might suit us if they come out with us a little bit first 15 minutes and I think we can crucify them and if we do get ahead I think we go and win the game easily but these three lads if they're all out pace you say right sit deep but they've so much intelligence about them in around the box as well that's that's the added extra isn't it where you're caught you're, you're in a limbo all the time as to where your line should be what way you should defend and these three are the perfect you know showing of this that no matter what you try, they'll have a way around it. Yeah, it's it's the it's the perfect combo, isn't it? Just frightening pace with with actual brain capacity. You can have one or do that. A lot of times, one or do that, and then you're looking at someone like Theo Walcott and saying the afterburners on. Just he just runs like Forrest Gump into the crowd. Or you got someone like Andros Andros Townsend again. He's really quick. Just hasn't got a brain. These these two on, on the flanks. Oh, it's so dangerous. And I think Swansea have possibly got the worst full-backs in the Prem. They've got Kyle Norton at right-back, who's got no business being in the Prem. And is it Jonas Olsen? It's one of the Olsen twins, isn't it? He's not bad. No, he's not good, though. Yeah. He's not good. They signed him from Blackburn, and no one wanted him at Blackburn. So, yeah, I think, it was, I mean? money, I think it was money there, though. I think it might have been he was on a, no. a, a big wedge. I, I, he's shit. But... Uh, so you've got those two anyway. Alfie Mawson's not bad, but they're looking at selling him. Yeah, uh, he 50 million quid from him. Dude, yeah, that's real. Yeah. But there, uh, must be, there must be a fucking pallet of peanut butter ice cream with him as well. But, <laughs> but uh, nah, just, they're, just, they're almost unstoppable with, with that combination. And then when you've got someone who's like Firmino, who's dragging people around, and like, you know what I mean? moving away from his space, letting them occupy his, his number nine position and stuff like that. It's so hard to work, to, to set up against. I've changed my mind on the one-all. I, I, I think we're going to score three or four. Change my mind. Just when, when I think about it, I just think they just don't have the capability of stopping us. If we're on it, they haven't got, they haven't got enough to stop us. Change my mind. Okay. 
What are you going for then? If you're changing your mind, I think the ice cream shop would you in better form, didn't it? Is that what you changed it? <laughs> it was, yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three one. All right, I'm gonna mention lasagna in a minute now, and then it'll be like five one. And then <laughs> the nicer the fields get, we'd be eleven. Any, anything winners. with cheese, mate. Anything with cheese, I'll get carried away. <laughs> yeah. Anything with cheese, and uh, we're winning the league. Yeah. But um, no, I think. Look, um, let's get down to what we go for predictions. Ian, you're going three one now, are you? Yeah. Okay, and Keith, you, you're thinking four to five nil. Yeah, I'm going four nil. Four nil. Okay, I'll go with three one with four. you. Ian. Um, no, actually, I'll tell you what, I'll go 2 0. I fancy a, a, a clean sheet. Cause then, I, say, I, I never fancy a clean sheet without yeah, defence. I know, but then the, the, the oh, carry the, the nah. will be great then on Tuesday if he keeps a clean sheet, you know. We, everyone will change their mind then, and, you know, he's, he's all of a sudden he's fucking Dino's off. Um, but look, we move on. Um, it's the January transfer window. Um, we were going to be doing probably a transfer pod once a week um, but there's no fucking point because there's nothing happening um, mm. and everyone knows my frustrations on this not just not just the um, the lack of transfers the whole way Coutinho the whole, I'm not getting into it again um, because it could be on here all fucking night and I need to make it clear that I think this squad is good enough as it is to get top four I fully believe that alright I just think you're playing with a you're playing a little bit more of a risk if you're selling Coutinho and not doing something to strengthen. I think coming into January, if, if everyone was to look and say, right, what do we need? If we could do something in January, what do we need? I think a centre-half was definitely one, and we've done it. I think probably a midfielder. With Henderson's problems, Milner looks off the pace for me all the time. Lallana, as much as it's great having him back, how, how, can you de- how much can you depend on him with his injury record, which is fair to say, in my opinion. And then up front, you have you're a Firmino injury away from Solanke probably playing up front. Uh, Sturridge looks like he's on his way out. Ings doesn't look like he's getting a run in so, or a look in. So I would have thought centre half, probably midfielder, because Coutinho's gone and an attacker. But I still think we can make top four. I, I, I need people to know that because every time I say this, people go, Our squad's good enough. Our squad's good enough. And I'm kind of going, That's not what I'm saying. Always look to improve. With Van Dyke in the team, yeah, we're improved defensively. But I think. With Coutinho out of the team, as much as people go on about the three up front who are brilliant, I think Coutinho out of that squad makes that squad going forward weaker. And we always need to be looking to strengthen. Stop looking at fourth, start looking at second, and start pushing for that. Ian, um, Klopp made a comment the other day that if something jumps up right in his face, he may look at it. But right now, he's not actively pursuing anyone. Um, One, is he lying? Or two, if he's telling the truth, you agree with him? Uh, how long before we signed Van Dijk did Klopp say we're not looking for any new defenders? How long before that was that? Mm. Week, I a week and a half? I don't, I don't know the timeline, so I'm not going to guess, but I know where you're going. It went, yeah, it went, it went far. I don't think you can take what managers say as gospel. There's, there's plenty of factors. Uh, You've just said there, Alfie Mawson is getting valued at £50 million. Pounds. And I don't care what they gave us for Coutinho. A centre half is still of his quality is still not worth fifty million pounds. So just because someone's overpaid for Coutinho doesn't mean that we should then overpay for players who, in five months' time, maybe will be worth sixty percent of that value. Do you know what I mean? I think if he comes out and he turns around and he says, "Yeah, we are actively looking for a central midfielder, a forward, and whatever," you know, you do one or two things. You drive up the price of any player that you inquire about, and you'd also piss the players off that you've got at the squad already who are starting week in, week out, turning sides over. 
as for jump, someone jumping out in, in front of us, there's a bit of lost in translation. I reckon uh, he'll know full well who he wants. He'll know the availability and he'll know the likelihood of getting him in January. If, if that availability changes, be it on whatever player he's linked with, then he, I would imagine we'd move forward. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think for one second he's just hasn't got a clue who he wants for what position. Then if someone comes available, he'll just like, you know what I mean, get his little fucking German brat waist out. I think he knows exactly what he's after. Uh, I trust him 100%. You're right. Without Coutinho, we're not as strong a squad because we've took our, our most talented player out of it. I think we've got more than enough to get where we're going or where we need to be this season. Uh, and if it means waiting an extra few months, of course I'd like us to go and sign fucking Christian Pulisic right now. But if it means waiting five months to get him as opposed to getting Mares, who might be third or fourth choice, I'd rather wait for his first choice. I, I think he's earned, he should have earned enough brownie points with our signings over the past 18 months for us to back his judgment. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't bought many duds. Like. Yeah, I, I am... I, I, I'm not really sure with his judgment. All I'm saying is, um, like one lad says here that we need cover for Firmino, Solanke isn't good enough. I don't know. Isn't good enough to be harsh. I'd, I'd, but I know where this chap's coming from. Um, I trust the judgment. Keith, we are... It's, it's not about judgment if Firmino goes down tomorrow with an injury that's going to keep him out three months. You have Daniel Sturridge that's supposedly available for the last month or so or whatever it is and hasn't got a look in so I don't think he's in the plans anymore unless you know it's an emergency so to me it should be a case of right if the storage is gone we need someone there that can deputise for Firmino and don't get me wrong I don't think Solanke is as bad as people are making out or you know he's getting a bit of stick because he hasn't scored a goal I just think you, you have to let him give him time to develop but we need someone there that's going to guarantee it six to ten goals between now and the season if Firmino you know, comes unstuck in anyway. Yeah, but see, the, I was, I've kind of got the other way on this. I don't feel like we need a necessarily inflated squad to do what we need to do. I think we're really pushing on the, this idea that we're going to have an injury crisis. I mean, what we're talking about here is, okay, hypothetically speaking, we lose Firmino, Salah and Mane tomorrow, for example, or maybe... Firmino, Salah, and Oxlade-Chamberlain, or you know, one, you know, probably three or four players that will put us in a position whereby our squad looks really, really weak. If we lost Firmino tomorrow, if I'm honest with you, I believe Solanke, like he did a bit against Burnley, can still do half a decent job, and I feel that we can still rely on the qualities and goals from Salah and Mane to compensate for him, maybe not banging in, you know, goals that a world-class centre-forward like Firmino would be scoring. I still think Solanke needs a goal in him. I think once he gets over this goal, I think he does everything right except score. And I think once he gets that goal, I think he could he could go on a nice little run that could get him about five to six goals, which could prove so much more important in the grander scheme of things if, like you said, we're then going to go out there and go spend money on a player that could give us five to ten goals. You look at someone like Lalana, he's made no contribution this season. So therefore, as cheesy as it sounds and I know a lot of people are going to come with me for pitchforks for this he is technically a new signing because last season he provided 15 goals and assists and this season he hasn't provided anything so if he does go on a bit of form he could then also provide five to seven goals so then so then then, go on well hold on hold on he's not a fucking new signing right 
because in order to get this new signing, you need to give him six months off. And you know, <laughs> like that's the truth. No, but but I think that in that respect, he is in the sense of his qualities. We haven't had the fortune of using the whole all season, and now we're getting the opportunity to use those qualities. He is going to contribute in in areas that a new signing, who's going to take time to settle in, will do anyway. Unless we're going to break the bank for someone like Icardi or someone like this, you know. Likewise, if we were going to go out in the market at this time and get someone, it would be a rush by like Lanzini, Mares, or someone like that. And like Ian said, is, would it be right to rush and get the guy now, or is it, would it be right to wait for in the summer to to find someone else? I think we've got an about 15 players in this squad who all have the ability to eat, first keep Liverpool in the top four and second keep us active in, in the in the cups that I just don't see I get the argument that one less player is a less player and that makes us a less less stronger squad but I think there's enough talent in that team to compensate for the lack of Coutinho that's what I would say I think there's enough I think I think we we and th- you know look at Danny Ings. Okay, you could call me. Maybe I'm being too uh, pe- uh, optimistic. But you can even look at someone like Danny Ings. Danny Ings is only 25, and he had two what two ACLs was it? You know it, it, they had to be very very careful with bringing him back into the spotlight. Like Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez didn't play football for us for a whole season last season. He was and he was available. He was playing under 21 football. You know, so even he could potentially come in and and provide something if it's needed. Though I mean, again, like we're talk- we're thinking that this. We're talking in the respect of there being an injury crisis. You know what I'm saying? A massive, like, like you know, losing Salah, Mane, you know, any team in the world who were to lose those type of players of that importance midway through a season would be dreadfully unlucky and would find it difficult to replace their goals and assists. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Um, Ian, can I just say, can I yeah, just say, yeah. right, what happens if he starts Solanke tomorrow and he gets at you? I'm delighted. I'm absolutely yeah. delighted. So, I think, so bro, you, you does, that, does that mean that we no longer need a replacement because we've got a player that's just scored at Asif? No, it doesn't. I'll tell you why. Because uh, a few people have said here on, on Periscope as well that I, it's probably too early to be putting that pressure on Solanke. You know, like, let's be honest, right? And it's all hypothetical. But if Firmino goes down with an injury tomorrow and he's out till mid-April, right? Or he's out till at the end of April, you know, till, till things could be more or less decided. He's only coming back and things could be decided. I don't think it's fair to put that pressure on Solanke. I'm not saying he couldn't get you through it. I'm not saying he might, wouldn't get a few goals. But I think if, he, if it came to the stage where he didn't get a few goals, Liverpool end up not being or getting where they need to get this season. Mm. It could it could be a case of a young player being thrust in there. He doesn't get the goals that are needed. And he feels that it's nearly his yeah. fault when you look at Firmino's form throughout the season. That's all I'm saying. Whereas if you were to bring somebody in, looking and... Let's be honest with you. A fully fit and storage, and not a fully fit storage, a fully fit storage from three to four years ago in this squad is able to play with Firmino, without Firmino, down the middle. He could, he could do it all. He can't do mm. it now. All I'm asking is you upgrade storage, okay? Because he's, not, he's no longer part of the plans from what I can see. You upgrade him. It means then Firmino can still play. You have a player there that can just come in and out in certain games. And then if you're winning the game or... You want to put throw two up front, Solanke is still there. That's all I'm saying. I just don't want to get to a position, and again, it's hypothetical, where Firmino goes down with an injury, and the fourth person we're looking to will not be Daniel Sturridge. Not a fucking chance. The person we will look for is Dominic Solanke, who up to now, no matter how many you know reasons we give, has not scored a league goal. Who, who are we upgrading Sturridge with then, Gav? Give us a name. Um, I don't know, because that's not my job. To do. Because... Um, 
everyone's going on about Aubameyang at the minute, mm-hmm. but everyone who's going on about that doesn't really know his history with Klopp and his history around like, his work ethic and the fact that he's constantly late for training and that he's a bit of a bellend. Do you know what I mean? So, so he, he wouldn't start. You can't spend 50, 60 million on a player who's only going to play when Firmino needs a rest or when Firmino gets injured. So this is what Klopp needs. To, the, the type of player who will accept that, accept that situation is a 20-year-old up-and-coming striker. Unless he... and, and, and we had one of those. His name's Dibble Carigia. We let him go and everybody was happy to do that. And, yeah. and you look at someone like him, he, he is the answer to that question. Ironic. I, again, just to come out here, I was completely against the club letting Divock Rigi go in, in the summer. I felt that in terms of his development, you know, he can guarantee you 10, league, 10 to 15 goals a season. And, and that's what a lot of fans are arguing about right now. Who's to come in and replace Firmino when needed? Divock Rigi would have been perfect in the system with Salah and Mane this season. And it was a bad mistake to let him go. But, you know what I mean? Like, that... we we have those players available. Even Daniel Sturridge, okay, we don't believe in him as much as we did because of his injury record, but who's to say that he gets fit and Firmino goes off for six weeks and then he he starts getting encouraged and saying, okay, I'm actually getting some first-team football, World Cup's around the corner, and hits a bit of form. You know he's capable. He's capable. He is capable, but to me, you know, for for a player that's supposedly been ready to go for the last number of weeks and not being near the team, I think, says an awful lot. And people will say, oh, well, he needs, he needs this and he needs that. And he needs probably a mini pre-season as people like to fucking come, come on about, which is absolute bullshit considering Salah could be fucking dying on Thursday and he turns up to training on Friday on a stretcher and plays on fucking Saturday. So all that's complete nonsense in my eyes. Um, and it's just, it's just a narrative people make up to justify their own fucking beliefs. You know, if a player's not playing, it's because the manager doesn't want them to fucking play. It's as simple as that. If he's if he's available, he's available. If he doesn't get picked, stop giving me the excuse that he's you know oh well he's, he's certain fucking criteria he has to meet. Bullshit. Coutinho or Firmino was being put together with salad tape at fucking times last season and still played most weeks. So I don't get that that thing at all. I, um, I think Klopp does it just to hold his value, you know, because he never slates him. He always gives him encouragement. Like he always says, yeah, he's in our plans. Exists that and the other. I think he does it because he he wants to ship him for a decent bit of money at the summer. What do you think? Because he just never, he always seems to appraise him. I think he leaves. I think he leaves in the next two weeks. That's been answered. Yeah, I, I think he'll go. But th- there may be some some credence to that that Klopp doesn't want to affect his value. But I, I can't really remember too many players Klopp hasn't praised. To be honest, I've, I've never really heard him come out, especially at Liverpool, and just turned around and said, "Yeah, this player is available. We don't want him anymore." Any of that mm-hmm. type of stuff. So I just think he, I don't think he's built that way, like Marino throw a player under the bus type. I don't think he's that type of fella. Yeah. Um, right. There's very, we vary in opinions on this of what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how our outlook is. Um, and we do this every week because, like people say, things change on a daily basis. You know, there's lots of links, then there's none. Then there's, you know, there's some mad stuff. I, I, one lad texted me, or not texted me, he tweeted me before the pod and he said, what's all this about 80 million plus storage for a cardi? Um and he can't remember who it came from. Um, Icardi, for me, is a fabulous centre-forward, but God knows who fucking wrote it, so I'm not even going there. Um, but I do this every week, and I'm going to do it again. Keith, I'll let you go first. Between now and it's probably 10 days to go in the, in the transfer window, in the next 10 days, how many players do you think Liverpool bring in, if any? If Liverpool lose to Swansea... Tomorrow, 
one player will come in. Okay. Okay. Um, that, I, I, well, then I don't want Danny in if that's your fucking outlook. Um, <laughs> Ian, um, same question to you. Um, I know I probably asked you this last week, but we go again with it because it changes. A lot of people saying one on here, a lot of people saying zero. Um, I think that's Ray Dickinson of the Trippers was uh, just saying zero there. How many do you think? Uh, I don't. I don't think you sign any. I think the players that Klopp, Klopp will probably have maybe three players in his mind who he wants for this Liverpool side, and if none of them are available, he won't go and buy someone else. We're very close to being the finished article. The the last piece could be the most important. Do you know what I mean? So why get a Mares who's decent and he'll score the occasional goal? Don't get me wrong, and he'll look good doing it. But he doesn't really affect us in the long run when Klopp may be looking at someone like who I've said all along, like Pulisic or someone like that, who we can build a team around. It was the most it's the most similar to Coutinho, I think. So I think this last piece could be the most important. So I would I'd be surprised. We'll either spend around eighty million pounds on a player or we'll buy no one at all. Okay. The only thing I'm hoping I, I think we sign nobody. Um as much as I'm crying and you know shouting that we should do something. I don't think we sign anyone. The only hope I'm holding out is that FSG want to be front and centre on the 24th of January. They want to make... You know, they, they probably feel a bit hurt by the Coutinho situation. And not, not the player gone so much. I think the way Barcelona carried on before, during the, before the transfer happened, during the transfer and after the transfer where they, they start saying that we wanted them back on loan. They start saying that we got a massive discount. They, they ran them out and... Why anyone surprised? I don't know because throughout the whole thing from from August they've been they were a disgrace to be perfectly honest with you. And Liverpool, for their own look out, weren't much better in putting them putting them down and putting them down quickly. But I'm hoping against hope that on the 24th of January that FSG want to be front and centre and they want to do something a little bit fucking mad. I, that's the only hope I have. Um, look, there's ten days. A bit controversial. That's a what, bit controversial. You think they're gonna? You, you reckon they'll go? Because what you, you reckon FSG could go over Klopp's head for no, a big signing? No, I don't think they go over his head. I think, I think they may have. You see, I've slagged them off, not slagged them off, but I've been of the opinion that they haven't prepared properly for the departure of Coutinho. Okay, I've said it openly. Um, people have given me all sorts of excuses, and that's what they are: excuses as to why this is done and. The people listening or the people that are going to listen to this will know what I'm talking about. Um, they've given this excuse, and there's been very ones. We'll wait until the summer. They're not the right player. Uh, the player down tools. All this bullshit. To be perfectly honest with you, all right. Um, but I think they were hurt the, the way Barcelona went on, and I think if there's a player there, that and I think they are working on players. I just don't think they've done it quick enough. But I think there, are, there is players that there's no way they're not looking at anyone. That's that's mm. that there's no way, but I do think that if they are looking at somebody, I think it could be small details here or there. It could be something crazy that a player's looking for, you know, in a contract or anything like that, or, or wages wise. But I think they might decide, yeah, you know what, let's do it, and they might go that extra ten percent on something just to put themselves back out on the thirty fourth of January, and that's going to be the lasting impression, isn't it? What you do on the thirty fourth of January is the lasting impression of the transfer, though. That's what I think. I'm hoping happens, you know, because I'm, you know doing, what? I'm doing a pod, it, I'm doing a pod on, on deadline day, and I have cans, and I need something to celebrate, and as I told, as the lad said to me, 
it's going out live. Um, and in fact, I think it closes at 11 o'clock the window. And if at 5 to 11 we announce Griezmann, I am going to get up on a table, smash two cans together like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I go absolutely off on him, but that's the only hope I'm holding out. Ian, what did you Mate, want to say on that? Monchi uh, at Roma made an interesting comment today about if the, if the money was right, they would consider selling their players in January. So, whilst I wouldn't imagine we'd spend £50 million on a goalkeeper in January, that, that may be the one to look at. Everyone's thinking of forward positions, but at the moment, I'd say that's the, that's the signing that we've been given the most encouragement for Yeah, by an, by an opposition side. Do you know what I mean? So, who knows? I mean, we need a keeper, but I'm not sure it's easy... I can't think of any top keeper who's ever been transferred in a January window. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it's not the done thing, is it? I am. Um, I just want a quick question for you, lads. Um, this one's gone off the radar, but it's come back. Uh, Robier fourteen wants to know who's the mystery player. Uh, he says, "Who's the mystery man?" Now, I, I presume he's talking about the mystery player, or just Keith. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, if you're if you're looking and you're looking at the screen on the top right, that's Keith. Eating Hagen that's ice cream, a very good friend of ours. Uh, comes on every now and then, usually when Grizz is on a pilgrimage to uh, Butlins. Um, but he asks, Who's the mystery man? Um, I presume he means Keith, but there is no mystery player, Ian, is there? No, it's the fuck. There's never been one. There's never been one. It's the biggest. We're the only football team in the world who can lose our shit over a player that doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Other, other teams get carried away with like. It's Harchester United, you know, isn't it? Yeah, no, this all came about from, from a, a journalist being on a podcast and saying that there was a mystery player that they were walking on, but he can't say anything, and um, which is crazy because the journalist is there to give information, which just blows my mind. Um, lads, we leave, it, we leave it there on transfers, right? The last one, um, a lot of people have been on to me during the week to talk about this. I don't want to get too deep into it because um, I think there's a hell of a lot being said about it, but it's the situation with John Flanagan. Um, John Flanagan pleaded guilty to common assault wasn't it um, mm-hmm. on his girlfriend on his city centre street in Liverpool around over Christmas time um, we've heard through court or read through court documents what happened and disgraceful carry on let's be honest about it um, pushing kicking whatever whatever went went on exactly um, but, but a lot of people have been calling for him to be sacked a lot of people have been you know contract terminated all this sort of stuff James Pearce does an article um writes for me I don't know why he wrote it um, I read it kind of going what are you doing this for you know it came across as an opinion piece but I, I was still baffled as to why he wrote it but the last piece in this is where he basically compares if this happens to Mohamed Salah people wouldn't be crying for this to happen and that's what really you know shot himself in the foot on it Ian um, the whole let's go to John Flanagan Um do you think this grounds or Liverpool Football Club as a club should have sacked them? Now, uh, sorry, you don't have to give me a yes or no on that because I think no, there's a lot of grey areas in this. See, theoretically, yeah. But there's employment law to take into consideration and there's the PFA and stuff like that. Now, I know, listen, I'm not in any shape or form, way, shape or form defending what he's done. What he's done is a disgrace. And if it was as simple as just letting someone getting someone out of a job, and you, then yeah, you should be sacked. But not everything's black and white. So Liverpool have to told have to told the, the legal the legal line as well. Do you know what I mean? What's what does it come under on his contract? 
is it in his or in contracts in general in the Prem? Did he have one one episode of gross misconduct and then you have to be sacked? I don't know the the, the legality of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, what he's done to disgrace, absolutely. But what James Pierce has said, and to be honest, he's where he's used some terrible terminology. Do you know what I mean? Stuff like stepping out of line. Do you know what I mean? He's he's equated volleying a bird in the stomach to stepping out of line. It's it's a shocking turn of phrase. Do you know what I mean? But what he said about people wouldn't be going as mad about Salah getting if it, if it was Salah who'd done it as opposed to Flanagan. Some people would, but an awful lot of people wouldn't because, as I've put on Twitter, we are subconsciously selfish beings, do you know what I mean? So we will look at the situation and you tend to make excuses for things that you're, that you're happier with and that you like more and that are more beneficial to your life, do you know what I mean? Some stuff like that. So the example I would give is look at all the overwhelming evidence that was against OJ, but how many black people still thought he was innocent because he was black and they could, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it, that'll be a subconscious thing, do you know what I mean? Because the what he represented to them as a people, as, as like a demographic. And I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that it's right, but people are inherently selfish. So don't, don't tell me that if, if it was Mohammed Salah who done it, the exact same amount of people would want him sacked as the exact same amount of people that want Fanagan sacking now. It wouldn't be the same numbers. You'd still get some that would want him sacked, of course, but the numbers wouldn't always be as uh, as identical, and that's because he's a lot more valuable, yeah. uh, a, a, com- a commodity to something that we follow and that we're interested in. Yeah, it's I, a it's an, it's a minefield. It is a minefield. But if Liverpool sack John Flanagan, you don't know about the legality of it. But if they were to sack him, and then one of our other main assets done it tomorrow, they're then in a position where they then have to sack them as well, and they could be writing off. £150 million pounds worth of, a- of assets. And I'm sorry to say, not everything is black and white in the business world. Do you know what I mean? A, a, a team, a business, whatever, they're not prepared to write that off if they can help it. And by not sacking John Flanagan, they, they, haven't, they haven't hit the premise that they would have to sack the next person who does it. Hopefully, it'll never happen again. Do you know what I mean? It shouldn't. But it's not always black and white. Yeah, it's... it's um. It's an interesting thing you say there with regards to um, law, employment law. You know, I did see a few people saying they should have came in, came to an agreement with him and said, look, we'll pay off so many. You know, if he's on 40 grand a week, we'll pay off 15 grand a week for the remainder of the contract. You're free to go. And that's, but, but again, John Flanagan could turn around and say, no, I have a contract. And under that contract, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I, you know, I mean, I that's all right. Anywhere. Um, that's all right. But then they still haven't sacked him, though, have they? So no. they, they may... So they still haven't appeased anyone by yeah. paying them off? Yeah, and, and, and a bit of it that comes back to, like, I think back to the likes of Tiger Woods when he was up to all sorts and, you know, the amount of sponsors that just announced that they were pulling away from pulling away from Tiger Woods and it was obviously in the con- in the contract there that, you know, if you do want fucking ridiculous, you're a hoarding air brand and away you go. Um, but like you said, you, you are spot on with regards to employment law. Um, I don't know the full details of this. All we can go on is... You know, he done it. He pleaded guilty. He showed remorse. I've read all that. Liverpool apparently had a meeting, um, a long meeting, 
um, a heated meeting from what you, from what I've read, and it was decided that he, he would be kept on and some sort of rehabilitation would be brought into play. I don't know how much of that I believe. But you're right in saying about assets because if you look, and I know it's probably a stupid comparison to make, but if you look at Emre Jean, and Emre Jean wants, wants a bio clause, and they don't want to give him a bio clause because if they give him a bio clause, they're going to give the next player a bio clause, and the next player, and the next player. And we can just be picked off for a certain amount of money because money now in the game is irrelevant. Clubs can just afford money all over the place. And like you said, if you sack this player, and for argument's sake, Firmino, Coutinho and Salah go out on Saturday night, and assault a couple of people on the street in a row, you have to sack all them too. I get that. Um, it's a very tricky it's one. Sen- it's, sentencing. Back- it's, yeah. it's sentencing was a disgrace. What he got for what he'd done is a disgrace. He got done for common assault, which could be a... You can get done for that for spitting at someone or pushing someone in the chest. Mm. He's on camera kicking a girl, a, a, a girl on the floor in the mm. stomach. That to me, that sentencing is a disgrace. Do you know what I mean? But mm. that's not what I'm saying. So Liverpool, do you know what I mean? It, there's, there's just more to it. You can't. I mean, you can just sack a player. Yeah, look, go back to Chelsea. Remember Chelsea a few years ago? They didn't want Adrian Muto at the club anymore. He was on a massive amount of wages, right. and it turned it turned out that he had a massive coke problem. They couldn't wait to get him off the books because they, they couldn't they couldn't no one to buy him. Go go forward a couple of years, and then you have the stuff with John Terry, like the racism, uh, calling people like you know what I mean. Live on camera, you see him doing it, but they backed John Terry and they wouldn't sack him. It's because he was more valuable to them at that time than Adrian Mutu was. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't mean it make it right. But that's just the way of the world, unfortunately, especially in a business world with commodities that are worth 150, 200 million pounds. Yeah, um, Keith, I'm going to let you in on this one. And I'll go back to the James Pierce article. Um, this all blew up yesterday, um, early enough yesterday, and people were having a right go with James Pierce. And I read the article, and for the life of me, couldn't understand why he'd done the article. I think he worded it very badly. Do you know, um, do you know what Come on. No, no, I just want to say one thing before, before, before your question. James Pierce could have taken a whole different angle on this story and just, because there's one part of the story that I don't think anybody was really focusing on, and that is the fact that on the victim, a person, a woman who has been the victim of domestic violence. And we're talking so much about John Flanagan and if we should sack him, if we should do this, that and the other, that no word or nothing has even been kind of discussed about the actual person itself. And James Pierce would have been wise to have taken that angle instead of taking the angle that's been discussed on Twitter. Some things on Twitter don't need to go into the into the mainstream press. Do you understand what I mean? Some things can be left. It can be a Twitter argument. It doesn't have to be um, a mainstream argument. I, 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 for the life of me, I don't understand why he's he's be making this whole discussion about whoa. If it was somebody else, it would have been different. It's not not needed. Surely a man of his experience would have had enough um, knowledge not to make that decision. So it was a stupid decision to go on that angle. Yeah, and the, the thing about it for me was, and I like James Pierce as a journalist. I think a lot of people yeah, give him a lot of abuse. I think he's the bearer of bad news, as a lot of people say. <laughs> but he's not. He's just the bearer of truth um, for the majority. I think, um, honestly, I think he let himself down when Rogers was in charge um, because he, he said some ridiculous things back in Rogers at times. That was so really, really biased. But for me, for this to come across as an opinion piece, it sounded a bit like he was reading from a statement. And it was reading from, you know, 
there were certain lines he had to get in there, and it was given the club's point of view via a, you know a third party. That that's the way I read it. Because it, and, and I get to the end and think you've wasted your time with that. You've you've actually given yourself more hassle over that than yeah. than not writing it. Well, you know, if I can think like Klopp for a second, who's the man who would have probably ultimately had a major say in if Flanagan was going to get sacked or not. You know, he's very much a socialist thinker. He's a thinker of the human development. He is a thinker that not all human beings are innately bad. So, you know, you'd almost have to argue, was a lot of this decision down to the idea that Klopp feels that he can be rehabilitated, right? And that he can actually, you know, we can almost help to cure him of this side to him that seems to be a sickness in that respect. And uh, that, for me, seems the most logical reason as to why he's still at Liverpool Football Club. Because they believe that they, he can be rehabilitated and they believe that, you know, they can get him get him help. Because at the end of the day, turning becoming that violent to a human being is, you know, is seriously something that there's, there's, a, there's a deeper issue there. There's a deeper issue that needs to be looked at. You know, if it's right or wrong, whether the club should stick by him and rehabilitate him or not, that's a whole other argument. But at the end of the day, you know, the club have done what they've done and this is the world that we live in. Do you understand what I mean? You know, we, we seem to want to be morally, um, you know, moral champions when it suits us. But let's be honest, Luis Suarez was racially, you know, was found guilty of racially abusing Patrice Everett on the football pitch. Now, whether we, now, whether we back him or not, I'm a man of colour, Right. And and Ian's right. I almost, you know, nah, Suarez didn't, Suarez didn't mean it like that. You know, and I was almost saying, and, and at the end of the day, he racially abused another man of colour. Yet I was there thinking of all the excuses as to why maybe Patrice ever took it too, you know, took yeah. it to heart too much, etc. Exactly. Do you understand what I mean? So it is, a, it is also a moral compassing when it comes to how we judge these situations. Maybe the situation should be, should we believe that everybody's deserved to be rehabilitated? By by our employer, or do we believe that any sim the first sin that we cast should be we should be dashed stones at? This is the this is the real argument here. And Liverpool and Klopp clearly feel that Flanagan, until such time as his contract may come to an end or, or to the summer, you know, d- deserves rehabilitation and then maybe let him go. It's not like he's not going to go to another football club and earn money. Look at Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso. Drunk driving, you know, killed another person. He plays left back at Chelsea these days. No one says anything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We, we we do pick and choose our moral sides. But my my own, uh, if I was to give one side to this, is that we should all, you know, think of the person, think of the victim. That's the main person at this moment in time. You know, she's got the justice she deserves, and hopefully, you know, even she, if she wants to be with Flanagan, let's hope he gets the help he needs. Otherwise, let's hope that she can find happiness. Yeah. In, in, in her life. I think um, uh, like it all comes back around to, and you're right, people have a moral compass. Um, you know, I've seen online people saying he should have been sacked and then people saying no. And what happens is then the people fight between each other because they believe that they're right and you're a disgrace if you think any way different. That's wrong. You have an opinion, you have an opinion, you're allowed it. Whether it's the same as somebody's or different to somebody's, you're allowed it. Um, I think if Flanagan gets a prison sentence, I think Liverpool are well within their rights to cancel their contract, and it's probably in that contract that he thinks. But he doesn't. He gets community services or something along those lines. Um, for me, personally, all I can say on it is what he'd done was completely wrong. Um, if it was me personally, and he worked for me, I don't think he'd work for me any longer. But as saying that, 
we're not talking about me. We're talking about Liverpool Football Club that have contracts in place, and they're quite detailed contracts, ranging from you know what time you start in the day to what you're not allowed to eat. You know, kind of way they can be ridiculous contracts because there's so much money involved. Um, and like you said, the victim of this is the person that should be looked after and all this. As you said, she's got some sort of justice on it. But at the end of the day, as fans, we have to look and say, OK, Liverpool have made this decision. We probably don't agree with it. But we're going to have to wait because I don't think this is the end of the John Flanagan team. And somebody there has says that he'd probably be let go quietly. You know, when the transfer window ends and he's made a contract and when it all dies down, he goes away quietly. So I don't think this is the end of it. And I think we should judge the club itself on it in probably six months' time. Can I just say, right, there's more chance of Liverpool sacking John Flanagan before tomorrow morning than there is of him shutting his bottom lip before Easter, because that lip is never getting closed. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it, now. Also, Greg. Lads, we're going to leave it there. Um, Thanks a million for joining me. Um, I should say that Matt wanted to be on tonight. He had a connection issues. Um, He's going to sort that during the week and be back with us next week. Um, He's not off drinking. He's off drinking for 30 days, apparently. It's the biggest fucking lie I've ever heard. Uh, Grizz, as we know, is on a pilgrimage to uh, Butlins. He's in a KFC. On his, <laughs> his, he's in a service station now at the minute on his way there, using, <coughs> using our um, Wi-Fi. Um, Keith, thanks a million for joining me. Ian, thanks a million a for pleasure. coming on. I've been your host, Gav. Um, hopefully, if something happens during the week, um, we might come on and we might, um, we might do another one. You never know. But um, that's been us. That's been episode 18. It should be out later on tonight to download properly. Um, you know, to listen to, going to walk, doing whatever. Keep an eye on the trippers. Um, keep an eye on their feed for all different information coming out around pods. And as I said, if anything happens transfer-wise, we'll be on to it as quick as we can. Hopefully doing it live for you so we can get it up to the minute and, you know, you're not waiting to download. But lads, that's it. That's been the Fatback for episode 18. Thanks a million. Over and out. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Sports Social Podcast Network.